0: No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: State your name for the record
3: Jen Arso.
2: Forgery of imperial documents, possession of stolen property, aggravated assault, resisting
4: arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive, and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. <gasps> Oh, <gasps> man.
0: masters and padawans to episode 177 of full sip i am the Mike pilot and with me is my co-host brian young fresh back from celebration london brian welcome back to the states how you doing man uh i don't think fresh would be the word to use i think still <laughs> jet lagged after a few days is, yeah. is probably a better
1: better thing it's a it's exhausting traveling between seven time zones, Well, I,
0: I can't even imagine. I, the farthest I've gone is four. But uh, Amy is uh, the what last week off that she has. She has some other things she's getting done. She'll be back next week, so just relax. You'll get Amy next week. It's fine. Yeah. All the people in their cars right now are going. Ah, it's Mike and Brian and no Amy.
1: Yeah. No. Well, uh, we've got we've got some some special stuff. We recorded another panel. Amy and I did. So you'll hear you'll hear Amy sooner than later. Yeah. Just not on this episode, which yeah, is
0: fun, yeah, so what are we going to talk about this week? I know you have a lot planned,
1: well, there's Star Wars celebration, I think that's that's some big news. You obviously weren't there and probably have a lot of questions about it it was It was a big deal it was it was a lot of fun,
0: yeah let well let's so we'll just jump into that. We'll get to the rest of the stuff later what What would you say of all the stuff that went on went on over at celebration? What do you think was the biggest deal? what was the the biggest thing that happened
1: um you know, I was kind of expecting the biggest deal to be Rogue One, but it turned out to be Rebels with yeah. uh, with with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, like Thrawn was so big, it was like we don't even care that Wedge Antilles was in the trailer or that Tom Baker's voicing a character on on Rebels. It's Thrawn.
0: Yeah, I um I tried to have my radio silence, my internet silence, as far as celebration went, and that broke the silence. Like. I was blocking everything, and then that rebels trailer got to me. It got through to me. It seemed amazing.
1: You, so you didn't watch the you didn't watch the
0: live stream? No, I stayed away from it, Brian. I stayed uh, away. It's too painful, Brian. It's too painful. Um, I figured I'd wait. Do you, you and Amy got back and let you guys relive it, and then I could kind of live vicariously like through you guys without having to fly over an ocean. I think that's that's good. It's um, it's interesting the the Thron stuff though. Like I'd kind
1: of heard rumors and things and actually uh bobby actually kind of tipped me off about thrawn before it happened and i was like i don't know and then i heard more things at celebration where i was like okay yeah thrawn is happening but i didn't realize it would happen in such a big way and i mean where where did you hear about that uh bobby
2: uh it was it was just intuition nobody nobody told me anything (laughs) I was just sort of like, they're, they're dropping the Thrawn bomb. It's going to be a, a day full of Thrawn to Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. And we're, <laughs> we're getting so much Thrawn. Um, I didn't think it was going to take over the entire celebration uh, the way it did. To the point that not only did it uh, subsume the news about uh, Rogue One for, for a time. Uh, not only did it subsume the news, like, a, as you said, uh, the fourth Doctor is playing the Jedi Bendu. Uh, which now signifies every last scrap of Lucas's original script has now been repurposed for Star Wars, I think. (laughs) Um, uh, It sort of overshadowed uh, the whole Ahsoka thing. Like, I remember going into this celebration, the idea was that this was going to be, you know, Ahsoka lives. This was going to be Ahsoka's celebration. There was going to be Rogue One stuff, yes. Um, But this was going to be the Ahsoka celebration. And then that blue-skinned, red-eyed son of a gun walks out well, of the shadows, and then thrown bomb, detonated. Nothing else.
1: crazy, too, how, like, uh, sitting in the audience, you almost didn't even realize they announced a book. Because yeah, fi- Filoni goes, and Tim's got the book now, too, which is great news, right? And then the <laughs> screen, everybody's like, what What did he just say? Because whoever was manning the the screen was, like, late on the graphic, and mm-hmm. then it cuts to the book cover on the big screen, and you're like, oh, oh wait what does this mean
2: oh my goodness that's the point at which i was uh watching on the stream and i was watching uh people react via twitter because that's almost more fun to me than anything else like um here's an example of my twitter watching as form of entertainment i stopped watching game of thrones three years ago i still follow everybody who watches game of thrones (laughs) on twitter it's I I guarantee you I get more enjoyment out of just watching it on Twitter than the people actually watching the show at this point. Uh, It's it's amazing.
0: It's deliciously Uh, evil, Bobby. Oh,
2: my goodness. It's just so there's so much schadenfreude
1: Uh, (laughs)
0: and
2: and just enjoying the way people are reacting to what is blowing their mind. Uh, It just sort of feels it fills me with joy. Um, And I was doing that with this uh, Rebels panel. And it wasn't until the book news came up that I saw uh, our friends over at Tashi Station and uh, Dunk at Club Jade. That's when they blew up. Like, they were like, oh, there's Thrawn. We knew Thrawn was coming because they're very smart individuals. Um, and then the cover of the book <laughs> hits their Twitter feed. And that's when I saw everyone just start popping like popcorn and just hitting the screen uh, with with just magic. Just, Oh, my God. What the heck? Tim Zon's coming back finally. Uh,
1: and he, he kept that way on the down low well, i i was at a convention with him last month mm-hmm. and i asked him point blank like how would you feel like if they used Thrawn on the show mm-hmm. and he was like uh well you know i i knew i was playing in someone else's sandbox and i knew they could do anything they want i'm like tim that's not what i asked you like <laughs> how <laughs> Look would at you being feel? rough <laughs> how would you like you feel personally about like Ron being on Rebels and stuff. And he was like, Well, you know, if the right person did it and, and, you know, they treated him well and stuff. And I was like, I think Filoni would be the person that would be able to do it right. And he's like, Well, you know, I think you might be right, but we uh, may never know.
2: <laughs> and of course, the entire time at this point, he's already, you know, working on the book itself. He already knows that the character is going to be inserted in. Because considering the lead time they have on Rebels, like, the decision to put Thrawn in had to have happened, like, what, last year?
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like, when we were trying to, <laughs> me specifically, when I was like, oh, no, they they stuck him in Wendig's book. That's Thrawn at the end of uh of, of that book. You know it is. Um, I heard... Of course, I I'm completely 100% wrong if anyone's read Life Debt. It's, Thrawn's not I, in
1: at all. I heard that, that was the scuttlebutt. That, that was the plan. And oh, then yeah? Fil- And then Filoni was like, no, 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 he's mine.
0: <laughs> well, I have, I have to say, first off, Bobby, that I will never listen to that song the same again. And every time I think of Thrawn now, I'm going to say, let me see that Thrawn. Thrawn, Thrawn, the Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Thrawn. That's brilliant. Thank you for that. That has changed my world. Secondly, love it when the blue dude goes, nana, nana, <laughs> love it when the blue dude goes, nana, nana. I, I, I kind of thought the same thing, too, about how um, Celebration was going to be as far as Ahsoka goes. But then right around that same time that that card set was released on the Star Wars Tops app. The um, mm-hmm. card trader, and it was a Felony set for Ahsoka art, and that kind of looked like a goodbye to me. So I was like, maybe there really isn't going to be much Ahsoka anything. And then, so then the Thrawn thing hit, and then that kind of just went from there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am wondering if like the book is kind of part one of the Fawn farewell, and then whatever happens to her in Rebels when they touch on her again, because I can't imagine they're not going to touch on her again. Uh, maybe well, that is like the the sweet goodbye
1: feloni did say at the end of that panel that like uh, yeah, I was going to bring both that the up. Rebels panel and the ahsoka panel that that she wasn't done, although he yeah. thought she was supposed to be
0: yeah, but, yeah, fan reaction or something like that wasn't that the quote I, something like that yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I did want to ask you guys uh specifically about Thrawn, uh because Filoni adapting the character is not the same as Zahn bringing the character back. And Zon bringing the character back isn't going to be the same as what the character was back in, you know, 1989, 1990, when he was first uh, envisioning him before he got him down on paper. Uh, what aspects of Thrawn do you want to make the leap from, uh, you know, the early 90s in into animated form? Uh, and, and what aspects of Thrawn do you guys not mind if it doesn't make it over you know like uh what are you trying to see in this throne because he's going to be different it's not going to be the exact same character so, so what is, what is it about this throne that you guys are hoping you'll get
1: having seen the first two episodes of season three i can say i got what i wanted oh yeah that's right you
2: sighed see now i dislike you
1: uh, Mike, just <laughs> now,
2: just now yeah. I dislike him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mike, you answer this question and give me a moment to let my raging jealousy <laughs> jealous side and then we'll get back to, okay, I'll,
0: I'll deal with that while I'll deal with this while you deal with that. So yeah, okay. um, I, I, I think I'd easier say what I'm more looking for than what I want to see or what I don't want to see mm. from, you know, the original. So Callus is, I like Callus as a bad guy, but mm. he's kind of bumbling at times and, and overconfident and the Grand Inquisitor, when he was the bad guy, you know, he was kind of bad. He was kind of scary. But I, I want, I wanted a character that kind of married those two kind of personalities. Man, was a little more scary, a little more evil, but not quite on that level as Vader. Somebody that isn't bumbling. Somebody that will put forth a plan and stop things from happening and kind of get the Empire back on track, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And somebody that would be a general somebody that would get the job done so that's kind of what i'm looking for
4: No,
1: okay uh brian uh w- w- what about you well i think one of the things i'm grateful that feloni said like one of the first thing off the the top of the list feloni said in the panel so it's not a spoiler that we won't be seeing of thrones that i'm excited we will not be seeing mm-hmm. are his uh force negating yas or whatever the hell they're called
2: yeah yeah, the uh the, the force negating salamanders.
1: Yeah, that always kind of broke the idea of the force for me, especially mm-hmm. when you got into like um it was one of the first things in the old EU that sort of broke down with the prequels yeah. when the prequels came out. Mm-hmm. There there was always
2: The thing about the old uh, expanded universe uh, I found is that while it was great and we've talked about this before on shows, uh, while while it was great at, you know, sparking new imaginations and keeping the older imaginations alive and invested, um, it was also uh, a definite shift in tone and aim uh, so far as storytelling goes. And I think that's kind of I don't want to say confused the fandom but it definitely muddied the waters a little bit as so far as what Star Wars is, what Star Wars could be, what Star Wars can feel like. And that's not to say that it shouldn't have done that, because obviously there's a whole lot of gems and jewels in that old EU, in that Legends universe uh, to, to dig up and to consume and to enjoy. But, uh, you know, stuff like the Salamiri, uh, you know, stuff like the Yuuzhan Vong, stuff like just sort of the general, that weird mid-90s sci-fi tone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know, it's
1: it's weird where it's just like aliens are invading and we have a new super weapon that's bigger and better but smaller than the last one.
2: Yeah, I mean there are, there are quite a few books that feel yeah they they feel like uh you know general boilerplate paperback sci-fi that just has a Star Wars coat of paint attached to it you know slapped right over the top and well maybe not slapped and you know very nicely detailed like someone bent over a model they spent sixty bucks on you know they're using the real fine brushes. So they're painting the Star Wars on very carefully, but it's still underneath, you know, your basic boilerplate, you know, embossed front cover, gaudy art, sci-fi book. Um, and I think that sort of confused things. The Salamiri are, are maybe the best shorthand for that when it comes to Star Wars.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so I'm glad they're not there. But I think, like what Mike said, a villain who's going to come in and and be threatening again to them is is exciting yeah Mm -hmm. um and you kind of got the sense of that in the trailer but i love and this is not in those first couple of episodes and it's something i'm looking forward to it's something that we glimpsed in the trailer where thron thron was that guy who was able to like read deeply into people through their art through their philosophy through their history right like he could cut through that those cultural lines of people and learn about them as you know just the way they would think about things and there's that shot in the trailer of thrawn just pouring over sabine's art Mm -hmm. um that's the thrawn i want the the hyper intelligent putting the pieces together in a way that no one else could like that man can put a strategic jigsaw puzzle together uh and see a larger picture that no one even no one else even knew was there
2: yeah, one of one i think one of the biggest strokes of genius uh with regards to bringing Thrawn uh into the into the show uh was actually getting lars Mikkelsen uh to play Thrawn. um and and for me that's because uh the most recent thing that i've seen him in is sherlock uh yeah, in yeah. sherlock season, in sherlock season 3 he plays uh magnuson he plays a, a sherlock villain like the sherlock villain of that season um and getting a sherlock villain to play the star Wars equivalent of Sherlock. Cause that's essentially what Thrawn is. Thrawn is yeah. like, you know, what if Sherlock Holmes got drafted into the military essentially. And that's, that's basically how he carries himself. That's how he operates. If you could weaponize Sherlock Holmes and dump him into the military and sick him uh, on your enemies, I think he would turn out sort of like Thrawn. Um, and if you guys haven't watched Sherlock, a watch it. Yes. It's, Really, really, really good. Really good. Uh B, make sure you watch those Lars Mikkelsen's episodes uh specifically. Uh I mean, Thrawn is not going to be as filthy as Magnuson is <laughs> in in that Sherlock episode. Like Magnuson is a real dirty animal. <laughs> um, but that sort of hyper intelligent villainy, it almost can't not come into play. Uh even I, if the it, even if the writing isn't there on Rebels. I gotta imagine it, Lars Mickelson is going to be able it, to elevate it with his with his uh, voice.
1: Bobby, it it is in there. No,
2: oh, I see. I don't want to.
1: I don't want to hear from
2: you about having watched this show before me. I don't. I don't.
0: I, I don't. It's it's good. I, I always I always like when he sees something that we yep. haven't seen, and you know it's in his head, and you just want to pull it out like with a <laughs> wand, well, there like was, in Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> and then put it in the you, bowl and and see it, but.
2: Oh, yeah, no, no. I want, to, I want to put his head in the pensive like I'm giving him a swirly in fourth grade. That's what I want
1: to do right.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, I will say this about those episodes, though, is that they did get that calculating genius aspect of Thrawn, right? And mm. in the most menacing way. The parting note for these two episodes is so perfectly Thrawn that I think you almost have to have an understanding of the character to know how cold and menacing the ending actually was.
2: Okay, And actually, speaking of Rebels, I want to get into this real quick because I know we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, But just overall feelings from you, does it seem like this season has sort of refocused? You know, like one of my bigger problems with Rebels has always been that the focus seems scattered. And that's partially because of how big the cast is and what they need to do, um, you know, going from season to season to sort of tie up all these these elements and get a sense of a rebellion building. Um, So you will often have episodes where, well, now we're dealing with these two characters, and now we're dealing with these two characters, and these two characters don't really relate to these two characters, and we almost forgot that this character even completely existed, Shreg. Um, And it seems like for season three, and maybe you can get a sense of this from the first two episodes that you saw, they've sort of refocused. So, I mean, the team is still the team, and all the members are still there. But it really seems like this is way more the Ezra and Sabine show. With special guest Kanan.
1: Um. To a degree, watching the first two episodes, it seemed like they did a really good job of blending the Kanan show, so it felt like it had the same weight mm-hmm. as the the Sabine and Ezra. It feels like Zeb and Hera are the sideshows almost.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and Hera's been, Hera's yeah.
1: been, yeah. No, Essa
2: Marshall is such a great voice actor. Um, and and person. Yeah, and it's a thing that you guys have been hearing from me, and I think Amy to a lesser extent uh, since the show's been on. But I mean, they they keep doing that character dirty. She yeah. should be owning. She should be owning this show, and she's basically, you know, I don't, I don't well, know. The, she, sh- she should be owning the show. I don't want to. I don't want to sound too negative with my criticism because overall, I do enjoy the show. But there are times where I'm watching and I'm just like, why is Hera not getting more shine? And it's it's part of the the problem that I had. Uh, earlier with it but yeah, I mean, the
0: episode I, with her dad was amazing I love that yeah, yeah 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 great yeah.
2: stuff and I mean and I guess you could also make the argument that the impact of that episode might not have been as strong as it was if you were getting a steady dose of hair mm-hmm. up until that point but yeah. I feel like it, there's got to be a way to, to balance that I mean maybe they were trying I mean you can't you, you, I mean nobody sets I think- up to make a disappointing show or a disappointing episode but trying to juggle all those balls every now and again you're
1: going to drop one it's going to happen I think. I think having Ahsoka exit the show mm-hmm. uh, is going to put her in that position. So, yeah. so just putting some pieces together, Thrawn style. Yeah. Um, uh. In aftermath, in the first aftermath book, wedge discusses how fulcrum is the contact point he had with the rebellion that brought him in. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka was Hera's fulcrum.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: If Hera is, stepping into that position and bringing in defectors and bringing in people then that gives her a lot more to do because she's filling the role ahsoka had as well as the role she had before Mm -hmm. um which which brings us to wedge also if fulcrum's bringing him in i've heard people talk about it i i don't think that they've got there that quickly with it because i think there's still some death star things he needs to sort out Mm -hmm. but uh they're they're sort of I've heard maybe Callus is the fulcrum that brought Wedge in.
2: It's entirely possible. I thought for I, I definitely thought when they had the uh, Zeb and Callus yeah, episode. Yeah. I mean that yeah. was that was the obvious setup that he's going to go. Mm-hmm. He he is going to defect. He's going to bail out because I there's
0: there's nothing there for
2: him. He's he he's a smart enough guy to realize that he's just going to end up getting choked to death. Gets back on
0: that it. ship and nobody even says hi. I
1: yeah. I would be really interested to see if they play this the way Marvel plays Agents of Shield. mm Hmm. Uh, where where this leads into Rogue One to the point where maybe Callus is part of a linchpin behind the scenes because yeah. I mean that that episode with Callus and Zeb really pointed Callus into looking into what happened on Geonosis mm-hmm. and we know that they committed genocide against the Genosians yeah. to keep the secret of the Death Star and Callus is in a position with with you know Imperial Security to look at maybe some of that. Yeah. And so, if they, you know, tie him a little bit to to what's happening, sort of starting, kicking off that trajectory that's going to lead us to Rogue One and the Stolen Plans, uh, in advance of Rogue One coming out, I think that would be some great. And I hate to use the word, but there isn't a more appropriate one:
0: uh, synergy. Mm. Synergy, as you put your fingers together. Uh, listen, <laughs> we. I said this to start, <laughs> kind of start this conversation off with with Ron. Um. So when when episode when season two ended, so Kanan is not seeing, and we, Maul's here, and Vader's here, and all these bad things are happening. Ahsoka's gone, and all these terrible things are happening. And I say, I think that the Empire needs a character that's going to make things harder on the Rebels and make things you know difficult and stop them, and and give the Empire another leg up and all that stuff. But I think what what I was trying to get to with that is I I, I really want that character because if you're gonna have heroes. They need more to overcome. And yeah, so Caden can't see it. He has to overcome that. And and there's a lot that needs to be overcome. Yes, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. But I, I think having that character there, just that extra thing that the, the that the rebels need to overcome to to make some to to save things, to make things something good happen. I, I think that's better for the story.
2: Well, I guess that sort of uh begs the question. Uh we're getting thrown back. Uh what if they kill him before we even get into the, you know, the events of the star Wars trilogy that we
0: know. Well, then that's, that's, that's Darth Maul in episode one. That's a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't be happy with that unless they did it really, really, really cool. Yeah.
2: I mean, because then it's,
0: it's, it's kind of the same
2: question, but on the other side of the coin is as Ahsoka. like you have a character that is this cool, that is this awesome. Like, how do you address the fact that she never showed up in the, the original trilogy? Um, (laughs)
0: but (laughs) But what about she's not a jedi and she walked away she went into the darkness to discover herself or whatever it is you know
1: with thrawn though thrawn's whole thing was that he was off lost in the the far reaches of space right
0: yeah Yeah.
1: what if that's where they send him at the end of this show that's how they pull him off the map they sabotage his hyperdrive and he ends up in wild space
2: yeah i mean they they can they can banish him out there um maybe set it up and you know plant seeds so that the fans
1: and then we get And then we get a Voyager TV show starring Thrawn trying to make his way back to the galaxy. (laughs) As long
0: as Seven and Nine is on it, I'll watch it. I just I let's
2: all hope for something a little bit better for Thrawn (laughs) and the Voyager. I mean, Voyager had so much. I mean, I don't want to dive too deep into the Star Trek thing, but Voyager had so much going for it. And it just and everything failed that series. It should have been so much better than it was. And for seven years, it was just an exercise in frustration. And you kept coming back because you were like, there's got to be at least just by accident. Like every,
1: yeah. every fifth episode was right. And you're like, oh, they got it. They figured it out.
2: No, no, they didn't. No, they haven't. Oh, there's the rock. Wrestling seven and nine. I guess that's where we are now.
0: Yeah. Janeway's <laughs> awesome on Orange is the New Black, though.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Janeway could have been one of the best captains. And even with the terrible scripts they kept handed her, uh, you know, Janeway ended up, you know, doing her duty, you know, pulling her Total. fair share of weight. Yeah. But it was just, man, so much. Let that show down. <laughs> All right. I, back I was, to Star and, Wars. Anyway, we were talking about the the Death Star, actually, and Rebels leading up to uh, the Death Star
1: and Rogue One specifically. Um, how much have you guys talked about Rogue One? Um, I mean, as far as what we learned at Celebration, zero. Zero? Well, let's talk about Rogue One, then.
2: <laughs> that panel, so, that was really fun to watch, uh, over here, stateside. I don't know what it was like, uh, in the room. That's always one of the, the amazing... Magicals? Of course it was magic. I don't know why. Oh, why was it
0: magical, Brian? Explain. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you, there's an energy... <laughs> There's an energy to the room, right? There's a lot of people there that, 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 I mean, I didn't have to wait in line overnight or anything, but, but you can sense that energy in the room and you could tell that there was like this relief on the cast's faces that they could actually talk a little bit about it. Like I know uh, Mads Mikkelsen had been kind of burned a little bit by saying too much about it, but here he was in a context where like Mm -hmm. they, he could talk about it a little, um, there was a bit of a snafu with uh, with the guy who's playing Bay's Malbus. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I don't think is that shocking or even that much of a spoiler.
2: It, it wasn't really. I mean, there's not... <laughs> I'm not going to try and dance around it or anything, so you don't have to worry about it. But, I mean, like, there are certain things about the nature of this movie that are 100% unavoidable. Um, so, I mean, it, it seemed... It was yeah. funny to me because almost everybody in the room wasn't quite sure that what he had said was actually what he had said. And it wasn't until, uh, uh until phasma <laughs> tried to cut him off that it became very apparent that he did say what he said. Like if that had been handled just a little bit more slickly then I think it would have well, flown right over a bunch of people's head. It, it would have been just enough plausible deniability that we could still put question marks over it. I but as, it soon was- as, as soon as she leaned across the, you know, the, the panel, it was like, we should probably move on now. I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I heard what I heard. I heard what I heard. Whoops. I
1: think well. it was interesting how uh, his English got worse over the course. As soon as that happened, his English started getting worse and worse. Yeah. And then he started blaming it on his English. Um, <laughs> um That was interesting. But, no, speaking of Gwendolyn Christie, I think she was part of why – the panel was so fantastic. Like she was just, I I hope they bring her back to like every star Wars celebration.
2: Well, her appearance was like a total surprise. Wasn't it? Like nobody knew she was going to be hosting a thing.
1: I'd heard a little bit uh. before. I don't know. He also didn't have this. to wait
0: all night in the room for, you know, for a seat either Bobby. So
1: I'm a horrible person.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was actually going to let that humble, humble brag slide, Mike, but <laughs> No, no, no. I, I guess we're just pulling cards on Brian all day. Well, we're no, not, no. We're I mean, not I at all. Ta- resentful I haven't talked to him in a couple
0: weeks, so
4: yeah, we're
2: not at all resentful that you got to go to London
1: at all. We're not. Um, we're not. It was interesting too, though. I don't know. I don't. I've I heard it. Ha- it didn't make the. Uh, I don't know how much you could hear on the live stream, but when they broke into the French national anthem during the moment of silence, she. Called oh no
2: yeah no we 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 heard that that definitely came through um that was actually the first legitimate chill I got uh from the entire uh celebration like that I
1: started
0: falling. Wait, explain, I don't know what you're talking about
2: um she was because uh, it was just after the uh the it was like uh, hours
0: okay the truck
2: yeah when the guy- when the guy drove the truck through nice yeah uh france and uh she she started to talk and then she was like, but before we can continue, we need to you know acknowledge she she said it way more graciously than I'm recounting it right now. Uh, but she basically called for a moment of silence uh, for those killed uh, in the attack. Um, and then there was like three seconds of silence and then they started. A
1: conting- yeah. Contingent of French people in the audience just went into the French national anthem.
2: Wow. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. And it, and it went and then a bunch of other people just joined in and the chorus just got louder and louder. And they did that for like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. And then the applause just ripped through. Like it was Recounting it now is goose pimping. no you're
0: you're explaining it. I got chills down my spine seriously oh
2: yeah no it it was great. go check it out i mean I yeah. believe it's i believe it's up you you know five ten seconds of youtube even if it 's not on the uh, official channel uh you 'll be able to find it 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 was actually one of the finest moments star wars fandom uh has ever had
0: that's truly Period. amazing that's awesome
2: yeah yeah like all all the all the arguments that we have with each other all the fights that we have all the little snippy nitpicks back and forth that we as fandom can get into in the comment section and Reddit, uh on twitter whatever uh all of that got wiped away in the first note that escaped that man's throat that caused the rest of the room to join in in unison uh that was it was great it was one of the greatest moments star wars fandoms ever had
3: yeah
1: no absolutely being in the room i think that that kind of kicked off the tone for the whole panel because everybody was just like electrified from that point forward and i mean it's weird i've never been i mean casablanca has forced so much uh emotion into that song in Mm. me just naturally and i I never imagined i'd be in a situation where a something would have happened or that i would be in in a place where there were enough french people around to kind of get into that rousing sort of situation
4: yeah
1: and then when it happened like you don't almost didn't even realize what was going on until halfway through Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know.
2: Oh yeah, it was a delayed reaction. It hit you like a ton of, bra- I even saw that on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, our friend, Chris Taylor, uh, it, it took like 10, 15 seconds before anyone realized what the heck was going on. And he was one of the first to tweet about it. And again, it was like his goose pimples might as well have been typing on his phone hmm. as to how that was working because it was, was, it was a very powerful moment.
1: He was on his computer. I was next to him.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also didn't have to wait in line for the seat all night
1: no he didn't he didn't <laughs> <laughs> i love chris taylor
3: i'm just messing
2: oh yeah oh yeah um anyway so uh the panel was cool the uh the, the trailer it, yeah or, wait are you gonna talk about the trailer that we didn't get to see because it seems we should talk about that a little what's bit what's this we stuff we well you got <laughs> to see you got to see in the place we at home did not get a trailer and i guess there were some people that were uh somewhat disappointed about the fact that not everything at Celebration ended up uh, going out to the fans. Um, it's not that big of a deal to me. I heard that the trailer itself was more just sort of a, a bunch of moments glued together and not really like a trailer trailer. Like, the reason we probably didn't get it released to us is because as a piece of movie marketing, it wouldn't work all that well. Um, I, is I, that is that the sense that you got? I, I read a description of it, and it basically just seems like a bunch of uh, disjointed money shots just stuck together. Uh, although... Although I heard that the, the last, uh, someone played the audio for me of like the last 20 seconds and I kind of want to redo my rogue one remix now because there's a, a cool little drum beat at the end of it that just, it gets me amped, gets me pumped. But uh, what what did you think of the trailer that they showed that we have yet to see? Or we probably won't ever see because they'll put a, a polished version of it out in, in a few months here.
1: Well, and, and that's why I've heard like five or six different explanations about why it didn't get shown or, and, and Nothing's definitive. I heard that some of the effect shots in it weren't complete. I've heard that it was only a snippet of a larger trailer that's coming sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard that it was something that they were very adamant they wanted just for fans. I heard a lot of different stories about why it was only shown there. Mm -hmm. Um, And watching it, it it was interesting because they only played it once, which is weird because you go to Comic-Con and Hall H or wherever else and they'll play their sizzle reel five times Mm -hmm. you know they just want to beat you over the head with it but this they showed it once which makes it so hard to recall because the ending is so overpowering with the imagery and the sound and the music like you said yeah you almost don't remember anything you saw before then yeah that the
2: i get i think the the greatest way to describe it is more or less a a rogue one flavored darth vader delivery system that's essentially what you got (laughs) yeah you're just building up to the reflection of darth vader uh on a floor i think is that is that what what you see i, like I think, shadow cast onto something
1: i thought it was the shiny floor of the death star but mm-hmm. later in a different context uh gareth edwards during one of his panels was talking about how it was on a console on the death star and that he wasn't even sure he was going to get the shot and yeah. he was talking about how um, it was something where where he was standing there on set and the guy who played Darth Vader walked in and he happened to be looking at this console mm. and he told Vader is like don't move camera guy here now <laughs> let me see if I can get this shot. And it was like that's how the shot was set up like it was yeah. it was a total accident. So that's and, the power
2: of digital filmmaking.
1: And so I think it was a console not a floor but it looked like a floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we got some shots of Ray or not Ray. Ray. Yeah uh Jin Erso younger mhm yeah
2: um, I, I understand it opens with her uh young like and, kid yeah there's a battle going on and then there's a hard cut immediately uh that you, there's no way to mistake that the little kid you were just looking at grows up to become Jin urso uh rebel um so yeah i i'm not too upset about the fact that i didn't get it i mean it's not like we're not going to have this this film advertised to us nonstop
1: uh you know in in the coming somebody, months like somebody like 3 days later said like on a on the a scale of Disney marketing failures, where would you rate this? And I was like, "Are we <laughs> nice. still talking about it?"
4: What
3: then the?
1: not a failure at all. Yeah, not not at all a. Fa- how is that? First of all, Lucasfilm. Second
2: of all, how is them not showing uh, a trailer a failure, considering how big a deal that behind the scenes fe- featurette actually was? You know, like I remember seeing. Sometimes when I'm like, you know, on my exercise bike and doing my uh, my push ups, my sit ups, uh, my chin ups routine, um, I will put on uh, a bunch of Internet pundit shows. You know, the, the YouTube celebrities who have, you know, crawled out of Reddit, uh, turned a camera on themselves and become, uh, you know, the, the voices for kids on the Internet the way that, you know, Siskel and Ebert, uh, Leonard Maltin, Gene Shalit were voices for us. Uh, when we were growing up it's a very strange analogy and a very weird landscape to be in but that's that's how it is like there were kids who used to you know get up in the morning uh or you know get up in the morning stay up late at night try and watch you know siskel and ebert um and yeah and now there are kids who are getting up and downloading you know the latest chris stuckman review like you probably don't even know who chris stuckman is some of you never Um, heard of him He's a massive influence on on you. You know the Red Letter Media guys. Um, I and uh, I <laughs> Red Letter Media is cool. Red Letter Media is all right. the The problem I have with Red Letter Media isn't even really with them. Um, it's more the, uh, the segment of fandom who will wait for red letter media to say something and then immediately rush out onto Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and regurgitate everything they said without even thinking about it for more
1: uh, longer than those phantom menace reviews. Like (laughs) those phantom menace reviews, you can tell when someone hasn't actually watched phantom menace and their only memory of phantom menace comes from those reviews. Yeah. Uh and it's really easy to talk them down off the ledge, but it's I get really annoyed having to explain mm-hmm. like the same four things that they sort of disingenuously put out there like yeah, yeah. like they'd never heard of a multi-protagonist story arc, you know, <laughs> like a classic World War 2 film. Yeah. You know? Well,
2: I mean I'm sort of that way with the uh the Oral Knots guys, but I kind of want to let people who have never watched The Phantom Menace but have only watched the Oral Knots version of it to go along their way because I just like the idea of someone, you know, walking around out there thinking that uh, the first 3 Star Wars movies are about guys who stiff their bar tab. Like I think that's pretty cool. Like no I remember uh Padmé's protector is trying to make sure everyone gets their Zemas. Everybody gets Zemas. Like I like the idea that someone thinks that's what the first 3 Star Wars movies are about. But I mean, anyway, getting back to my point, I was watching uh, was I think like the Collider Jedi Council um, and uh, w- which is great because if you don't really have the time to read Reddit or you don't have the stomach to actually try and join a Star Wars Reddit, all you have to do is watch Collider Jedi Council. And it's basically all the Reddit in half the time. That's a, that's basically how that show works. It's a bunch of different. Reddit Sounds like they've got a new tagline. <laughs> it's a bunch of reddit discussions, but it's coming out of the same three people's mouths but other it's that's the show um and isn't that reddit too <laughs> actually yeah, that's a pretty good point uh and they were actually taking that tack and I wanted to ask you guys um did you think this year's celebration was somehow a disappointment following up last year's celebration uh or was it just different can can celebration do celebrations have to hit the exact same heights that the first celebration hit in order to make it satisfying? Do they have to be this sort of, uh, multiple marketing orgasm that the first celebration was in order to be successful? Uh, or does it just have to be a celebration of the fans, the fandom, uh, and you know, uh, a chance to listen to people who are making these movies, share stories, uh, share anecdotes, uh, what is celebration to you? What does it mean to you? And what does it have to be in order to feel satisfying for you guys?
0: I'm going to answer the first part of the question for you very easily. Was this one better than last year's or equal to it? No. I was at last year's. And Force <laughs> Awakens was coming out after that one. And, it, you know, it was the first Star Wars movie in a really long time. And there was a lot going on. And there there's a lot of people there. and And so, personally, yes, it was better for me. I've heard... From a lot of people that they were disappointed in this year's celebration, but it was all from people who weren't there. So Mm -hmm. how how much how much stock does that hold? But I'd have to talk to Brian or Amy or Chris or any of my friends that were over there to see if it how it stood up or if they were disappointed. Mm -hmm. Like
1: I think that's that's one of the big things. Were these Collider guys there at the convention? Uh yeah yeah I believe I think two of them were yeah. Um well okay so so there's there's two things at play here one. European celebrations are a lot different than American celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a bunch of people that had been to the celebration in Essen, Germany, uh, which was the last celebration in Europe. And it was smaller because there's not as big of a fan base. And the way fans interact in Europe with Star Wars is a lot different. Well, I could tell that
2: with the, uh, the live episode that you and Amy did. Um, just the way the the listeners over there were interacting with you guys, like it was it was very cool, but it was very different, and not just because there were so many Scottish people, which I love. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I loved, I love that so much. If only the rest of the world could adopt a good Scottish accent, I think we would be in a much better place as as a people, as a um, as a species of human.
1: I, I you're right, right. Of course, um, I am. and as long as we can drink their whiskey, also also. <laughs> um the 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 thing is, though, is that like I've been to Star Wars celebrations where they weren't, there wasn't a new movie coming out, right? And the point of celebrations was for fans to get together as an expression of their excitement for the franchise. It wasn't celebration one,
0: mm-hmm. was
1: not a big marketing tool for Phantom Menace, right? Yeah. I could go to Burger or I could go to to Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, or uh, Burger King for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't or I could go to the grocery store and buy a Pepsi or like they didn't need the marketing. Nothing new came out of Star Wars Celebration One. It it was two weeks before the movie came out and it was purely a celebration of fandom. Mm. Um, Celebration Two was the same way. And so was Celebration Three. And at these places, I got access to meet some of the people that were um, behind the Star Wars movies. And they got to tell behind the scenes stories. Like this is like for me, celebration was always the ultimate behind the scenes DVD feature. But in person, you know? Yeah. Because you can't I can't load up the DVD and catch Rick McCallum smoking in a hallway and tell <laughs> him how much I want to be a filmmaker and a storyteller and have him tell me back, uh, just keep just keep telling stories and, and you'll get there. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it's about. And you you talk to the celebrities that are there. I mean, there was one night at celebration here in in Europe where we were hanging out with uh one of the one of the girls who played Stormtroopers in episode seven and episode eight mm-hmm. um, and she was as much of a fan as anybody else, and like we ran into like Ray Park was there and uh, Daniel Logan was there, and like everybody was just hanging out in the hotel after the convention, and it was they were interacting with anybody who who passed by mm. like literally Ray Park was camped out at the hotel bar after celebration after hours every night and just interacted with anybody who'd come up and buy him a drink. Yeah. So for
2: you, what what you're saying is essentially that celebrations don't need to be a transactional experience, or at least they don't need to be judged in that way. And and what I mean by that is that um, the metric for whether or not uh, fun is being had at this fan event uh, shouldn't be did I get a bunch of free advertising?
3: No, What's, no, no, not at all. What,
2: what, did I have movies sold to me in an exciting enough way? Like that that shouldn't be the measure by which.
3: No,
0: because uh, there's so much history behind it. There's so much other stuff yeah. going on. Well, and that and what
2: you said, Mike, was what sort of stuck out to me. Like if you're going to try and measure this celebration against the last one, it's almost guaranteed to not stack up simply because oh. of how long it had been between Star Wars movies. Um how I mean, just The amount of pressure that had been building up until that point, I mean, from October 2012 until, you know, that celebration was held, it was just a pressure cooker already. Just the the sort of ravenous desire for anything Star Wars to get fed down the general public's throat, not just the fans, but the general public's throat. How are you going to measure? I mean... The, the Force Awakens opens and destroys so many different box office records. It becomes a legitimate media phenomenon to the point where, you know, people are just offhand referencing it in, in you know, political debates. Uh, they're offhand referencing it in all manner of walk of life that you wouldn't normally think to insert Star Wars, correct? Um, and then you have... This, the spinoff thing, which is sort of new territory, nobody quite knows where it's going on. Everyone understands it's a little bit riskier. Everyone understands that it's just not going to blow up as huge as The Force Awakens did. Almost nothing can. It's just one of those, you know, lightning in a bottle moments that you have with mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah. Why would you then use The Force Awakens as the measuring stick for whether or not you had fun at a fan convention? That's, I don't I get
1: that really. That's exactly the point though like how could you go in expecting mm-hmm. how could anybody go in expecting whether Lucasfilm whether you're Lucasfilm or a fan if you're looking at if this as a a an excitement a, a transaction of uh, of excitement mm-hmm. what could possibly top Chewy were are Home yeah. that they have in the pipeline that they could show people yeah. nothing, mm-hmm. nothing so why try Yeah, like they brought Gwendolyn Christie out we mm-hmm. sang La, so- uh, La, Mar- <laughs> La Marseillaise mm-hmm. and we watched the entire ca- I mean like Ben Mendelsohn coming out in costume. That was so awesome. Oh, like, and I am a huge Ben Mendelsohn fan. You guys remember
2: like when yeah. the, the cat rogue one was announced, um, I was flipping out. Yep. Like, you guys might've been like, I don't know why the Hobbit is tripping as hard as he is over half of these people that I've never heard of. Well, ben Mendelsohn is going to be an amazing. I, you sort of got a flavor of what kind of villain he's going to be just from how he walked out and yeah. just the, I loved it. Just the supercilious nature of that man just emanating off of him. That was that was one of my favorite things of the entire celebration. Him strolling out, like I own this room and I own everyone on this panel and I own everything because I am the man. Um I love I actually I also loved how big the pops were for uh Mads Mickelson and Forrest Whitaker. Like I Oh yeah. I, 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 I knew that they were going to get a lot of applause. Um, I knew Alan Tudyk was going to get a lot of applause because he's a con favorite. He shows up at any convention and people are going to fall all over themselves, you know, to, to hug Alan Tudyk because he's so huggable, so lovable. But Mads Mikkelsen came out and people flipped for Hannibal. They gave Hannibal the warmest of regards. <laughs> and then Forrest Whitaker came out and they gave him a standing ovation. I'm like, yes! celebration you are my people that was a great crowd a a wonderful crowd some of the best star wars fans ever collected under that roof you could tell that moment
1: that goes to the the point though like ben mendelson walking out in character in costume was i think more fun Mm -hmm. and worth the the ticket cost more than the trailer sizzle reel yeah showed just to us right it's the same reason i liked like one of the I, I haven't had many transcendent moments like that at hall, in Hall H at San Diego Comic Con, but mm-hmm. when when Tom Hiddleston came out and did that as Loki in costume, in character, mm-hmm. it was it was the same sort of thing, right? That's what you're going there for. You're going there so that you could be in the room when that kind of stuff happens because it does feel different watching it later than being there and not, not knowing that it's going to happen and not knowing what to expect. Yeah. Um,
2: and that's and, the other I- I see people mention that um, th- that conventions need to keep things under wraps and not live stream anything because otherwise people won't show up. And I'm like, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think that's been the case for a very long time. I, even if they had, even if they had shown uh, that that teaser that they only showed to you guys the once, even if they had immediately put that up on the internet, that wouldn't have made that wouldn't have detracted from the the convention experience. And people, I don't think people are going to conventions just for the sake of being able to see a commercial before everyone else well, does it. That's <laughs> a
0: lot of money just to see a trailer.
1: It's exactly it's what I'm talking about. It's not that I I mean it's like I got to hang out with Chris Taylor a lot while I was there, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Taylor
0: and I see each other
1: at conventions. You get when you go to a lot of conventions, I'm sure Bobby, you go to you go to Emerald City, right? Like there's a group of people that you mm-hmm. get to hang out with and see and conventions are the only place you see them every year.
2: Yeah, like you you will bump into people, you will get familiar with people. It's 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 summer camp. It's summer camp for people who are addicted to pop culture. That's what going to conventions ends up being. And you end up getting familiar with people you otherwise would never be familiar with. Um, And just sort of the communal aspect of it. Like if you are only going to a convention because you want to see a commercial before someone else does, you are selling both the convention and yourself horribly short because it's not just about seeing commercials. It's not just about getting to touch a toy before it shows up on a target shelf. It's about sharing in a larger experience with people who like the same thing you like as much as you like it. That's what going to a convention is for is That sort of sense of community, that sense of family, if you want to take it that far. Um, yeah, and but that's I,
0: how you get somebody coming back from this celebration saying it wasn't as good as the, the one from last year. Because yeah, they're expecting I mean, well, something.
1: I yeah, and I guess maybe that's that's from, from people that it only I don't know. I mean, it was it being there was, was heartwarming to me, right? Like I was in a country I'd never been in before and I was having a great time sightseeing and checking out historical places and watching that, that cursed child play and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of other you stuff. You were a
0: yacht on the Thames with Bruce Taylor a talking
1: Star Wars. Um <laughs> but it, it it was the people there, right? It was the fact that people were there. Like, there is no other place on earth, but a star Wars celebration where I could go where people could come up, ask me for my autograph and then say, I wish Mike was here and have Bobby back on the show more <laughs> <laughs> like that happened more than once.
0: That's very nice. And thank you guys. So it happened twice. No, no, it happened more than twice. Actually, when we were, right? when we were out of Disneyland last year, there yeah. was like seventy people that did that about Bobby. Oh wow! Yeah, That's, did you have like the I, little clipper? <laughs> I told you, <laughs> no. I told you my moment last year when like people were going up to to Brian saying, "Oh my God, I love full assist so much," and I'm blah, "Blah blah 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 blah," and like I'm standing like right behind Brian, and they walk away. I'm like, I'm standing right here. <laughs>
2: Uh, got you like scott step with arms wide open <laughs> yeah the uh, hug is never coming the yeah. hug is never well how can people not know it's you like you've got that uh you got that vest with all the patches on i didn't like... wear that to disney i was just oh uh, okay yeah you're sort of like the uh it's a thing that only northwesterners are going to understand this is like a one percent of a one percent reference but uh there was a guy here who used to host a uh, a kid's show and all he would do was run old looney tunes cartoons uh and his name was rambling rod uh, he would have the kids sit on bleachers, and then he would wheel out a TV, and then he would show the cartoons on the TV. Um, and then the uh, Krusty
1: the Clown show, basically, yeah, Me sort of like Jeff. Krusty, yeah, uh,
2: very much like that. Uh, but his gimmick was that um, you would go to his show, so you could be on TV and have a camera watch you watch TV, uh, and you would bring him a pin, and he would pin it to his cardigan, and his cardigan was basically covered with pins. Um, and he would wear that proudly. And everyone knew who Ramblin' Rod was because he was wearing, you know, 50,000 buttons on his cardigan sweater. And I always thought of you, Mike, as the Ramblin' Rod of Full of Sith because I see there that vest, all those pins and patches. And I'm like, that's, that's full of Sith walking around right there. <laughs> like, no. And you see the Mike you know that's the Mike. Even if you've never heard of the Mike, you know that's the Mike because he's the guy with all those Star Wars patches all over his leather vest and you need to roll up and say hi to that dude. Yeah. And I was given Thanks.
1: some patches for Mike to add to his vest. Yeah, you yeah. said
0: that. I appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who uh, did that. So oh. what else was on that list, Brian?
1: It was a big list. What, what, what list were we
0: talking about? The list <laughs> of what we're, we're trying to get through in this, this one episode.
1: Oh, we were going <laughs> to talk about uh, Rogue One and The Crawl.
0: Oh
2: yes, there's no
1: opening scroll
2: in Rogue
0: One. Well, at least, I there's, mean, that has, at the moment. Wait, was that that was made official or? Uh,
1: no.
2: Captain Kennedy gave an interview afterwards. Like the the panel opened up with the uh, and this is actually fairly cool. The panel opened up with the uh, the opening of Star Wars. So you know, bang, da, 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 and the and the logo recedes and the scroll goes up. And it's a very sort of awkward moment actually at the beginning because the scroll just sort of kept going. And you didn't know why they were showing you the beginning to Star Wars this deep into it. And then the scroll starts to glitch. And you can I think they have it on the, the official Star Wars YouTube channel. Now. Like a disruption?
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: And then the
1: on sc- the line that they had that rebel spies had managed to steal the ah.
2: So and so the scroll starts glitching and then uh the angle of the scroll starts flattening out. Um and then it, it explodes uh and Rogue One. You know, there's there's Army chatter, uh, people are screaming. Stuff's getting shot in the background. You can hear it while the scroll is glitching out, and then the Rogue One logo uh, shows up on the screen, and, and it's very cool. Um, but later in an interview, uh, Kathleen Kennedy said something along the lines of, well, "That's basically what we were hinting at in the panel: is that this this movie is not going to start with an opening scroll." Um, I guess they're still sort of deciding on it. But I mean, if if she's going so far as to say, I mean, well, you guys still haven't figured it out that we're probably going to do some stuff different here on Rogue One.
0: Uh, it it seems to me like they're not going to do uh, an opening. Well, let me let me ask you both. I I would have no problem with that. What about you two?
1: I I don't have a problem with it not being there. I got kind of used to that with Rebels and the the news real announcer on Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned about what the hell the scroll for Episode Eight is going to be. <laughs> like what 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 are they going to fill three paragraphs and four sentences of? Huh. Yeah. with, like opening at the exact same place Force Awakens ended. Yeah, that's. I'm,
2: that's, that's that was the immediate contradiction that stood out to me and, and made me chuckle uh, like Rogue One is a movie featuring almost entirely new characters in an almost entirely new setting. Uh, multiple settings, actually, both of which were like 90 percent unfamiliar with either the characters or the settings. And it's not going to have an opening crawl setting the stage and helping orient us into this universe or this version of this universe. Uh episode 8 is going to begin immediately where the last one ended. No gap in time at all. Basically the next frame after the force awakens Iris out is where episode 8 begins and it's going to have an opening crawl. <laughs> like is it seriously well, going to I wonder if it's going to be like a ASCII art of someone just shrugging? Like that's you know <laughs> my guess because
1: I've been thinking about that a lot and what it's going to have to be mm. is uh explaining some of those open loose ends that that abrams left yeah that's what like, i was thinking like uh it's gonna have At, to explain what's going on with the kylo, first order
2: yeah after kylo ren and general hux escaped the star killer base you know so you know that they're yeah, alive yeah
1: yeah like, that, whole that of kind stuff. of stuff uh mm-hmm. finn maybe like uh something about finn and poe uh yeah. that that finn as, survived
2: as, yeah as foe as finn recovers from his coma or something along those lines yeah like it's it's gonna be a lot of that like the things that you were kind of sure happened at the end of the movie, but didn't have uh, you know a fine period put on the point of it, is probably what's going to show up.
1: And and, uh, and then they it They're be. going to have a sentence about how Princess Leia did offer her her hugs and support well, to Chewbacca. Leia.
2: <laughs> That'll probably be the very first line after hugging Chewie for two straight hours. Princess Leia has decided you know something. I like don't
1: it. think it's called hugging after two
2: hours.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> cuddling after cuddling. With I Chewie. don't think
1: it's I um moving
0: on <laughs> if it's more than, if it's two hours brian it's definitely not what you're thinking it is yeah, she, chewy isn't sting
2: yeah well here, here's my thing with the <laughs> the just delayed thinking. reaction
0: on my part i'm sorry
2: <laughs> <laughs> um here's my thing with the opening scroll um i don't it's not that i'm against the movie starting in a new way like i I don't have any problems with that. And for as much as, you know, I've seen all of the star Wars movies, I probably couldn't recite to you a single sentence of any of the opening scrolls. I almost always immediately just sort of forget them. They slide right off my brain. And I'm Uh, the
1: dude who can.
2: Yeah, you can. I I, I don't remember them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they don't, they don't all they mean to me. Like there's a bunch of words and I know they're readable and I know they're somewhat important for people who don't quite know what the hell star Wars is and sort of gets them situated as to what it is they're about to watch. Uh but for me all those words signify is that uh John Williams music is playing and I'm about to watch a Star Wars movie and it just when, it sort of when, gets me in that headspace.
1: That's when that's Force that's Awakens opened with Luke Skywalker has vanished. Yeah. That made you stand up and pay some attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was
2: but, it was very cool. Like I do think they need to be done well even if ultimately Uh, So far as my uh, my investment in the movie goes, they're more or less disposable.
0: I think I think you're exactly right. I think it gets you into that headspace. And and so I've been reading these opening crawls almost my entire life. I didn't really pay like a, a great amount of attention to them word by word until Anya started watching Star Wars and I had to read them to her because she wasn't reading words yet. Yeah, I
2: think wasn't that partially the reason that Clone Wars plays out the way it is is because they figured there were going to be people too young to actually read or even yeah, read. Yeah. With the, so that they were like, I mean, you listen to what's getting said at the opening of every Clone Wars and it's a scroll. It's three yeah. paragraphs at most. Like, it's obviously they wrote out a scroll. It's just instead of having it roll up, um, they're having the announcer read it. But there's still an opening scroll there in spirit. The thing with... My argument with the opening scroll, and it was weird because I've been back on Twitter uh, less than a year. Um, Wow, that was quick. Yeah, posting, tweeting, all manner of things. Uh, And, uh, you know, a lot of them have been retweeted to hell and back. Uh, Some of them go ignored. But the longest, most involved conversation with multiple people that I've ever had involved this stupid opening scroll. (laughs) (laughs) Out of all the things that I've stuck my nose into, you know, uh, politics race uh you know real serious uh conversation topics poverty uh you know police brutality all that stuff and the longest most sustained conversation i ended up getting into had
1: to do with this opening scroll you're still in that conversation aren't you
2: <laughs> no uh it's it sort of it, it it died down but uh you might have to bear with me on this one as i try and make myself heard uh here in in an auditory format like I think the thing is that I don't quite understand the reasoning behind it as some sort of signifier of the film being new or the film being different. I just don't get the idea that in order for Rogue One to feel different, the opening has to do the heavy lifting or even some of the lifting. Like the movie itself is going to show itself to be different, or at least it should. Like if we get out of Rogue One and we all look at each other and we're like, well, at least the opening was different. Like that's gonna be a pretty good sign that something went wrong yeah. along. The way. Well, I, I, I guess,
0: guess I guess that's why I don't have a problem with it not being there, because if it's a Star Wars rogue one, a Star Wars story, I I just mm. I don't need it. Just tell the story and, and let's see it and get get done with it.
2: Yeah, like I was talking about this on Twitter with uh, Scott Rifen of uh my Star Wars story and uh and Dan of and Corey of Coffee with Kenobi. Yeah and I, I, I sort of arrived at this analogy for why it doesn't quite make sense to me. And of course I arrived at an analogy because you leave me alone with my thoughts for longer than five seconds. And I'm going to do that. Um, getting rid of the scroll solely as a means to let audiences know that this is a different star Wars is is kind of like rearranging the furniture to pretend that you're standing in a completely different house or, or getting rid of a door and pretending the room inside still isn't attached to the building.
0: Like, like we're losing a lot of weight and you're still the same jerk off. Yeah, like
2: (laughs) it's still Star Wars. Like you're still in the house. I think it's the people inside that make it different, not the furniture. In fact, like the furniture staying the same is going to make the contrast with the people doing new and interesting things in that room all the more apparent. Like you don't have to change the opening. You don't have to, you know, mess with people's headspace as to what a Star Wars movie means in order to make a different kind of Star Wars movie. In fact, if it starts like a regular old Star Wars movie and then you do something really revolutionary and weird with how that Star Wars movie plays out it's going to be all the more
0: apparent I've got yeah but the two. opposite side of that bobby is if they do take the, the crawl away from it and <laughs> yeah. the and the movie is kind of a bomb or or it's not what everybody wants it to be they can kind of distance themselves from it and say it's a Star Wars story it's not Star Wars i've got i've
1: yeah. got i've got two things right one we know that we have young jin or so And we know that they are being able to use narrative tools on this that they haven't been able to use in any of the other Star Wars films, right? Because George Lucas created a very clean, straightforward, linear narrative style Mm -hmm. for Star Wars. So a scroll makes sense if your story is going to follow point A to point B to point C all the way into the end of the movie. What do you do on an opening scroll if you open like an Indiana Jones movie and you're catching the last bit of their last adventure or one further? How do you create an opening scroll to introduce uh, a non-linear opening, like like say Kubrick's The Killing, or or you know that that end of the movie situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you wind back to see how you got there? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so, although
2: although so for that specific for that specific example, that's kind of a thing that uh, has been getting leaned on really heavily. So I. I mean, we are know where, we already know where this movie is going to end. So opening with the ending of this movie and then flashing back to tell how we got to that end, I that's
1: I'm that's I'm just idiotic. I'm just explaining that there oh, are there there can be creative valid storytelling reasons mm-hmm. that that having it might not make sense, right? What? So what if?
2: And if the, if there if there are, then that will out in in the uh, the telling of the film. And I have no pro, I have no problems with that whatsoever. Even if they don't have a, a super valid reason, they're just doing it as a way to sort of say, uh, oh, it's different. You won't be confused. You won't think it's a regular Star Wars movie. Like, I don't well, think that's an I actual don't, I don't think that's a concern. I like who is going to be confused as to what it is they're watching. Well, I, they, I just
0: think that's lame because, you know, Rebels and Clone Wars and any of that stuff. I mean, I know it's not a Star Wars movie, but it's still Star Wars. Yeah,
1: it's it's um,
0: so so. Kathleen Kennedy
1: and Carrie Hart in the future filmmakers panel, which which didn't get live streamed or broadcast, um, talked about how they were like having meetings about how to sell this movie to people because they were not sure a general public would understand that it's different. Right? See that? That sucks. That sucks to me. I I can't imagine general
2: audience is going to be that silly. Like how
4: not?
1: But they thanked the crowd because of the reaction that they got at the last celebration mm-hmm. um, because they realized that they had an entire convention full of ambassadors to explain to people what the movie was so that they felt like they could take more risks with it.
2: Well, here's the, here's because the cause
1: they have the fans being able to explain to people, no, 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 this is where it takes place and this is how it works. But here's the thing.
2: Isn't that exactly what the opening crawl should be doing? functionally isn't that what it is like there have been so many people who have argued that the crawl probably should go simply because this isn't a skywalker saga chapter and it seems like a weird almost superficial reading of why it's there that just sort of gets universally accepted by a lot of people you know the crawl equals skywalker saga and like one which is only- weird when i'm watching flash gordon <laughs> yeah the only live action movies we've gotten in star wars to this point really i'm not counting the tv movies because those yeah are Skywalker sagas. So, I mean, where's the distinction even coming from if we're not just now introducing it and then creating a justification for that st- distinction in reverse, like right now? And two, pretty much every other piece of Star Wars media starts with a scroll. The games, the comics, the books, like they all open with that. Every open
1: session of the role playing game that I game master opens with a scroll that uh-huh. I, I I type it in on the, the scroll generator on StarWars.com <laughs> and show it to my players bef- because I start in the middle of an adventure they don't have any idea about.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, it's not just a Skywalker saga thing. I don't know how we all just sort of arrived at that. It's a Star Wars thing, period. It's well, part of how Star Wars works. It's one of those stylistic things that people wouldn't otherwise think to assign to a character alone or a story arc by itself. It's just Star Wars, like, wipes And irises and sounds in space and hitting a wrench on a guy wire to make the pew pew noises so on it's just star wars you know
1: here's my guess i love the
0: clone wars new newsreel if open yes
1: no i i like i like those too if if the the guys uh phil lord and chris miller who are working on the han solo film Mm -hmm. decide they want an opening scroll they're going to get an opening scroll Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if whoever comes in for the third standalone decides they want an opening scroll, they're going to get an opening scroll. I think the thing that's fascinating about it is that Kathleen Kennedy and Carrie Hart and the rest of the story group are willing to let the filmmakers decide what ingredients of Star Wars they need as long as they're telling that right story. Yeah.
2: And I I absolutely think that is cool. I'm not trying to say that the only way you can start a movie, uh, a Star Wars movie, is with an opening scroll. I'm I'm just sort of questioning the, the reasoning behind it, especially if what you just said about what uh Hart and Kennedy said on the panel was true is that they were like, Well, we're afraid the audience is going to be confused. I'm like, the function of a scroll is that you can walk in and you'll well, find exactly I what think, you need. No, that's
1: what the scroll is for. I think what they were more worried about is that people people were going to be going to a Star Wars movie expecting episode eight. Yeah, but I mean that's there's no way. There is no way. Like, how far under I, rock do you have to be at the risk of making an alienating political comment yeah uh (laughs) i could believe that people would be walking into rogue one thinking they might be getting episode eight we have donald trump as a major political candidate (laughs) in the united states
2: but here's the thing like once the movie and this goes back to what mike and i were talking about uh earlier like once the movie actually starts getting going like it doesn't matter it almost has It doesn't matter. I mean, so that's the weird thing about this argument is that you get like even 15 minutes into it. And both sides, you end up going, well, I guess I see, I perfectly see the reason as to why it should be there. And I also perfectly see the reason as to why it can go and nobody would care. Um, You can equally make an argument for why you don't need it. And you'll probably never need it. uh, Just as much as you can make an argument for it really should be there if you want it to feel like Star Wars.
0: Um, So just think about how how many conversations and how many hours were were put into that conversation whether or not it was needed or not and it Mm -hmm. won't really in the long run 15 minutes it won't matter here's
1: the here's the other thing though we know we're getting flashbacks and and shifts in time in this movie we know that from the trailers yeah so what do you need a, a crawl for if you can actually flash back and show that context at a point where like how interesting would the story of casablanca have been Mm-hmm. If we had an opening scroll explaining Rick and Ilse's relationship. I don't know, but I bet it shows up on YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd, be but, to, I'd give it a shot on YouTube. But, but but you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, we I, I, narratively find out exactly what we need to know about their relationship in the flashback three-fourths of the way through the movie at the point where it has the most emotional resonance.
2: No, yeah, no, no. I No, and, I, I get you. And, and that's the other thing I wanted to ask you guys um, is... Say there's no scroll. There's absolutely no scroll whatsoever. We're just going to uh, seed the argument that it's way too worrisome that someone might walk into the film, uh, think they were going to watch episode eight somehow. I don't know how they end up getting into the theater and thinking well, they're they going to watch. They could put it in
0: the it. scroll at the beginning. This is not episode eight. Road well, yeah. On. Like if
2: you want to, if you want to make a Star Wars opening different, all you have to do is just not put
1: the chapter. Yeah. In there. You, you um, know, episode, well, different. Like you, you just go except bang, for the original stop. theatrical release of A New Hope, which is exactly. what everybody wants.
2: Yeah, and so you have you have a way to sort of pay homage oh, to the original I, of the original Star Wars by just having the title Rogue One pop up, no episode title, but no doesn't nothing. then it's doesn't, different. Or color the letters blue. You can do some stuff. Or what about rebels. Just, yeah, or you could just pull. Yeah, you could just pull the scroll entirely and just have a logo pop up. I mean, this is going to be a movie that isn't going to be scored by John Williams. So maybe it should be a movie that doesn't open with the Star Wars main title. Maybe it opens in a completely different way, and it throws you off because you are not. It's it's going to feel weird because you've got Alexander Desplat doing the score as opposed to John Williams. So it's fundamentally going to feel a lot different than a, well, a regular Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. What movie if it does. doesn't
0: start off without any kind of logo or anything? It just goes into some kind of a war, or some kind of action. Well,
2: that's, and that's I, I I want. I want the Lucasfilm logo fade out. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Because you have to have that. Yeah. You can't not have that. That fades out. And then, bang, movie starts. No titles at all. No logos. No nothing. No Star Wars logo. No Rogue One logo. Just straight from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Movie starts. I don't care if we end up on a battle scene. Yeah. I don't care if we end up you know, uh, on the back of a starfighter. But you go straight from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away immediately to the movie no titles if, no i think that would be perfect i'd be good um
1: well i think the other thing the way rebels works out is rebels opens in that way you get an action sequence to a cliffhanger and mm-hmm. then it cuts to that spike of music that shows the logo dun, 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 dun. yeah um so they could do that but what if what if jen and again voiceover is not a narrative tool they're able to use in the skywalker saga mm-hmm. what if we have a voiceover from Jin Urso, and so maybe that's how it starts. You can imagine, especially with that Saving Private Ryan kind of. And maybe I'm I'm attaching too much Thin Red Line to this, but what if there is that Thin Red Line kind of element to it, where we're watching some events play out in the beginning, and she's narrating it, yeah, which gives us that that context without actually having to have a scroll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, again, I'm. I would prefer that there be a scroll there because for me, that's just makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars. And if you're going to do something different within the Star Wars universe, having the formatics of Star Wars still present sort of sets that off and provides that contrast and gives the difference of this film a little bit more punch because it's being contained in something we think we already know a lot about. Um, But on the other hand, like what you just described sounds great to me. Uh, the idea of just cutting straight from a long time ago to the beginning of the movie, just start the movie straight from there. That sounds good to me. Um, something sort of Rebels-ish, I think, is very cool. I don't know if I want them to actually do the glitchy scroll thing. I don't know. If, I, don't, like, I, I don't think
1: that's going to no,
2: happen. I don't, I don't think that's a legitimate option. They um, showed that, that they shouldn't do the, it again.
1: That would yeah. confuse the hell out of people more than anything. <laughs> where it's just like, wait a second. I thought this was Rogue One. That says A New Hope
2: yeah like i'm not against the idea of drastically changing how a star wars
1: movie begins
2: i think that star wars is malleable enough that it can it can take a a bunch of different forms uh it obviously has over the past 40 years so that's not really a question um it's just sort of the why as the why of it had me scratching my head like the idea that audiences might be confused so we have to start it early i'm like well, that doesn't that doesn't factor. Well, no, it's a, it's only a Skywalker thing, so of course they're not going to have the scroll. Like, well, that doesn't make any sense either. Well,
1: we're afraid the audience is going to be...
2: No, we already know
1: that. I think, I think if we're not going... and A, it's not too late to still get a scroll if they decide True. to go the other way. Mm-hmm. And B, if they decided that the movie could go without the scroll because it... I mean, like, think about the opening to A New Hope and think about how lost you would be if you didn't have that context. Yeah. Right? You Mm -hmm. don't know who's chasing who. You don't know what's involved. You don't know what the Death Star is or what it's capable of. They're they're front-loading all of that information. Those those four sentences in three paragraphs give you all the context you need Mm -hmm. to understand the stakes of the movie. And if Rogue One doesn't require that because of the way the story is told, then I'm okay with it not being there. But if Mm -hmm. it does require it and they axed it because of those very superficial reasons, I'll be pissed.
2: Yeah, that'll, that, that'll, be, that'll be somewhat annoying, especially directly in contrast with episode eight, which uh, probably won't at all need a scroll, but we'll
1: still have one because that's what Star Wars is. I know? hope Millicent so. makes it into the scroll for episode eight. Shit. After, after rescuing <laughs> Kylo Ren and Millicent, General Hawks makes it to. to- oh,
2: okay, we got to put odds on whether or not there's going to be a cat. Is there going to be a cat in episode eight somewhere in the background? Like, I don't think they'll they'll call a whole bunch of attention to it, but oh man, like the Millicent stuff picked up steam while they were still shooting, correct? Like, so there's there's oh, an
1: before op- it started shooting. Yeah, so there's a possibility. There's an option. I want I want to see a CG ginger loth cat. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be cool. Um, actually, while we're talking about uh things we'd like to see things we hope we'd see things that we're not sure we're going to see because they're still sort of in the realm of rumor um we should probably uh debunk a couple or talk about the fact that a couple have already been that's debunked.
1: that's your stick man
2: oh, <laughs> um han solo is not going to be in rogue one i don't know why well actually i know exactly why it was because a, a writer at deadline uh, inserted that into one of his rogue one reports, and if you want to you know get an idea as to how weird and shaky the Rogue One reporting has been in comparison to the the force awakens reporting, uh go ahead and listen to rumor control six it 's absolutely one hundred percent spoiler free, uh, which is weird for a rumor control, but it 's the truth um, and you can follow the uh the reshoot rumors from birth
1: until death uh it didn't didn 't live it hasn 't died yet yeah <laughs> I still get that a lot of people go like so worried about these reshoots no no i'm not <laughs> I'm and I'll, I'll see it on facebook and i'll post them your 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 yeah. rumor control and i'll like a half an hour later i'll be like oh wow thank you that was very informative i'm not worried anymore
2: <laughs> but um one of the the weird little quirks is that the uh, one of the deadline guys when he was reporting on the reshoots uh f- shoehorned in this rumor that alden ehrenreich as uh, han solo who got officially announced finally it was worst kept secret in hollywood i guess Um, Was going to be in Rogue One, um, which doesn't make any sense because Rogue One ends uh, as Star Wars starts. uh, And so that wouldn't be young Han Solo anymore. That would just be Han Solo. Solo. Like you can't have, you would basically have to set up a situation in which Alden Ehrenreich ages about 10 years and turns into Harrison Ford in the space of a day and a half.
1: Which, can I tell you how funny and old it made me feel when Alden Ehrenreich was. On stage there at that future filmmakers panel, and they were talking about how like he's like yeah my mom kept all my old Star Wars toys and she like she didn't throw them out and I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm imagining my Star Wars toys and and whatnot and they're like yeah she she mailed me a picture she she's messaged me a picture texted me a picture of my Star Wars toys and then Pablo's like we have got a picture of that don't we and they put it on the screen and like his action figures it's like Han Solo and Bosk or something. And it's like the 97, like Power of the Force action yeah, figure. The
2: they're all buffed out, buffed yeah. out to back. and back. Yeah. And
1: I'm thinking, like, oh, right. Yeah. You're ye young. Han oh, yeah. they're,
2: Solo. All, they're all kids now. It's not our Star Wars anymore, it's everybody's Star Wars. So uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting to watch uh, younger generations uh, basically take the mantle and run with it. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So, uh, but you will not be seeing young Han Solo run with that mantle through Rogue One. He's not in the movie. Uh, and further, uh, one of the weirder rumors that keeps popping up is that um, because Alden Ehrenreich uh, signed a three-movie contract, there's going to be a Han Solo trilogy.
1: Which I, I think is absurd. That's that's kind of like, that's like saying like, I bought car insurance, so I'm getting in a car accident. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's,
4: they, it's, they
2: signed him to a three-movie contract, but I mean, there's... That, because there's,
1: that's how movie contracts work. Like, can you yeah. imagine, like, if they could have gotten Robert Downey Jr to sign a 25 movie contract before he played Iron Man the first time, they would have. That doesn't mean we're getting 25 Iron Man movies. That means they don't have to go back to the negotiating table and offer him a truck full of money when they decide they want him again.
2: Like if if someone, you know, down the road comes up with an idea and they've got a uh, they've got a movie set in roughly the same time period that would work with Alden Ehrenreich, then they can fit him in there. Then they don't have to sit down with Alden Ehrenreich you know, and if this Han Solo movie does take off, maybe there will be a sequel. All this means is that they don't have anything planned, but they would like to keep the door open and they would like to keep the door open at the lovely lovely price that they landed him at. That's all that's all
1: I it think, means i think I think it would be interesting to get Alden Ironreich in other uh Star Wars movies That's what I was gonna say. He could appear in other movies like what I want is if they are gonna do like well, the other thing here is that Lawrence Kasden is writing this, right. And Lawrence Kasdan says that this ends, this closes his involvement with Star Wars and closes his chapter, his Han Solo cycle. So if we're going to get anything else with Han Solo, it's not going to be like the meat and potatoes of his character. It's yeah. going to be in that, that fistful of dollars, Boba Fett, Cad Bane sort of situation where he happens to be a player on this much grander battlefield mm-hmm. than, than the Han Solo story. Yeah, I mean, are, would you even want
2: a Han Solo trilogy?
1: I mean, like, I really liked the Han Solo trilogy of books. Yeah, Brian Daly, baby. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I I don't know. It depends on how well this one works out. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, this one...
2: Still, this one is the biggest question mark for me. Like, of all the things that Lucasfilm is planning... Notice how I said Lucasfilm and not Disney. Of all the things Lucasfilm... Can we put some echo on that? Lucasfilm film, is planning... Film. <laughs> Uh, of all the things, like this is the biggest question mark to me. Not Rogue One. Uh, Rogue One, I didn't think was going to be that much of a question mark. I mean, it's still a bit of a gamble, but not really a gamble. Like even if even if Rogue One makes less than half domestically of what The Force Awakens did,
1: that's still like yeah, it's, it's still like hundred million. <laughs> they're still rolling in piles of cash at that. That's point. That's still four hundred and
2: thirty million in a single year. Like you know that which
1: is more than Phantom Menace made. So, yeah, I know.
2: Like, this thing can make less than half of what The Force Awakens did and still end up making more than any other Star Wars movie in the main saga, aside from uh, Force Awakens. So, I mean, like, this is kind of a gamble, but it, the fact that Vader's definitely going to be in it is that it's now becoming a much safer bet. <laughs> no, 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 we got Vader in it. We got badass Vader. We got Terminator Vader. Vader yeah. is going to be some, some loveliness in this film. Uh, so I mean that that hedges the bet quite a bit but the, the young Han Solo that is a big question mark for me uh, I mean it's it's a safer bet because you've got you know the Kasdans writing it you've got Lord and Miller directing it um, Alden Ehrenreich while I I don't know if he exactly has the look that I would prefer for a young Han Solo Lord knows he's got charm for years so I was just I mean you're winning half the battle right there I mean it's I'm not looking at it negatively, but of all the things Lucasfilm has been up to uh, since 2012, this is the one that has me going, all right, we'll see. We'll see. It's
1: interesting too, at the future filmmakers panel, they were talking about um, how he was literally the first person who walked in the door to audition for it. And they auditioned like 3000 people.
3: Mm -hmm. And so
1: Lord and Miller were sort of jokingly apologizing to Kathleen Kennedy for wasting so much of their money. Um, (laughs) But, And and like they got to the point where they like they got it down to like five or six people, and they went out to the Millennium Falcon and had Chewbacca there, and like auditioned them in the Falcon with Chewie in costume for their screen tests. Oh, I want to see see these two. And they said they said he was the only one who pulled it off right out of the gate. Everybody else needed that sort of like, oh wow, I'm the Falcon wow you're chewy and like he was the only one who just nailed it like a professional and yeah. that didn't get starstruck and bowled over by the fact like not intimidated by the fact that he was playing han solo he just inhabited han solo that's and i true. think that's the thing that gave me the confidence in this movie that i didn't necessarily had before
4: mm-hmm.
2: no yeah that's that's a really cool anecdote that uh that, that's winning me over a little bit more the fact that he just strode in there swaggered in there like han solo just pointed at
1: himself and said Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> that's the entirety of his audition. It's, that's what, I want that to be the first line of the movie, to be honest, because I think it's one of the coolest things. I think, I think more than killing Greedo, more than coming back, the thing that defines Han Solo's character more than anything for me is his introduction where his opening line is pointing to himself yeah. and telling everyone his name. And I hope that like not even that it's just like no like Han Solo (laughs) like like I hope that they keep that in this and that that's sort of like his first line somehow Mm -hmm. uh, because that arrogance that 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 charming smarmy arrogance is what I love about the character. And I imagine he's got it in spades even more than he does 10 years later.
2: All right, and so the the last thing, uh, the last little bit of rumory stuff, um, and this is it's actually old, but it's new again because uh, apparently old things uh, don't count until they either show up on Reddit or someone makes a YouTube video out of something they read on Reddit, uh, and that's what happened with this one. Uh, there is a rumor about because uh, Lord knows we're not all sick and tired of trying to figure out who's Ray, who Ray's parents are. Uh... Uh, yeah, but there uh, there was a YouTube video uh, someone made uh, sort of. You know, through. I
0: get this like three times a week. I hear this three times a week. Do you know who Ray's parents are? Do you know who Ray's parents are? Just, just watch the movies. Yeah, just look. the movies
2: play out. It's. I'm fairly certain it's not Luke. Um, as a matter of fact, um, Maz Kanata in the film pretty much disqualifies Luke from being, uh, her parent, in two lines. If you if you know which two lines to listen for, wipes that. Option right
0: no I told a guy that kept bugging me about it, and when I wouldn't mm. answer him, he told me I just didn't know what I was talking about. I said, Fine, I'll ruin it for you. It's Lobot, and I walked away. <laughs> you know, can you imagine like what how this would sound if if
1: internet culture and Twitter were around after a new hope, and everybody's like, Do you know who Luke Skywalker's father is? And like the sensible people are like, You know, in the movie, they said he was just a,
0: a Jedi. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, we know it, it's like he was a darn Obi- starfire to yeah, not like what who's his father like what are you talking about why are you even asking that go away
2: well um this video it's about 26 minutes uh i think something like that I did, I, 26 <laughs> I did,
0: minutes i didn't make it did through they the do whole a thing. dna sequencing <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, i didn't make it through the whole thing um and then I, <laughs> I i i read the bullet point notes um so it's basically third hand from uh whatever fever dream on reddit uh vomited this thing onto the internet but basically the idea is that it's uh palpatine is her dad
1: which is something that we talked about like when we were talking about it like mm-hmm. back when you were still on the show that first yeah that first episode uh that we did after full of sith we 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 spitballed what like half a dozen ideas of who her parents could be yeah and palpatine came up didn't he yeah, yeah
2: i think i think palpatine came up i mean and the the video gets into it in uh in fairly excruciating is probably the right word excruciating detail um but i mean riley what Detail. Uh, riley blanton of the star wars report was asking if uh he should dive into it um and i told him that there was a video if he wants to just basically you know shout oh come on every two minutes in the background uh but uh these are basically the three points that it, that it rests on okay are you ready yeah she stabs oh
3: She's, she's, what?
2: She what well because the only other person who uses a lightsaber that no see, i see, i no.
1: remember that and i remember thinking yeah, like stabbed. wow that was palpatine's move no, but like no no
2: <laughs> but so uh point one is that she stabs uh point two is that she has a british accent uh and uh i, I
1: don't quite remember what point three was let me hold, hold on
2: at that <laughs>
3: point me. she could
1: at that point she'd be she could be Grima Wormtongue's daughter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't... I just... Just because she stabs... She oh, has
1: dark hair, so there's, she
0: must be from Naboo. So, yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. If that's their evidence, then there's way more compelling evidence that she's Obi-Wan's.
2: Oh, no. Well, and that's... I mean that's the that's the theory I would I would prefer is that it's a Kenobi come to clean up another I, Skywalker. I agree with that's, you. Is, like has happened all the time in Star Wars. Like Kenobi has got to come and make sure that a Skywalker doesn't ruin the galaxy. The the, the first one didn't do a great job at it, but he then tried. He got second, he did his then best. he got second crack at it and he helped the kid out and the kid helped stop the other Skywalker. Like there's definitely uh, a lot to the idea that maybe Skywalkers shouldn't be in the Star Wars universe. That they're kind of a volatile. Um, not entirely helpful presence in the universe. I mean, Luke does good. Leia does good. But Anakin did a whole lot of bad, and now Kylo is doing a whole lot of bad. So maybe Luke and Leia are kind of the anomaly here. Well, not... really,
1: though, I mean, compared to Vader's bad. It
2: skips a
4: generation. Kylo,
1: Kylo yeah. <laughs> hasn't gotten to Vader's level of bad. I mean, Vader was there and could have stopped Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Kylo yeah.
0: wasn't even on Star Killer base. Kylo that went down. Kylo exceeded some that bad a little bit. I mean, Vader didn't kill his father.
2: Yeah, true. No, no, no. Kylo
1: is definitely on the path to be worse than. No, Vader. No, he is. But yeah. the, like, I don't think redemption. Kylo is- killed. Kylo killed one person. Mm-hmm. Anakin murdered the entire Jedi. Yeah. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Rebut that, Brian.
1: <laughs> In your face.
2: but but anyway that's sort of getting away from this uh ray palpatine rumor like
1: i think the other best one i've heard uh is that she was conceived of the midi-chlorians which means she's not a skywalker but somehow related to them because that's how the skywalker line started
0: which is another Uh, another reasonable one which i I thought for a while i thought would be a very reasonable one
2: yeah like a lot a lot of the bones of this theory uh line up with the Kenobi theory that's been out, and it's not just, it's not just mine. I mean I, I landed on it pretty early, but there are plenty of other people who drew a lot of the same conclusions and made much better arguments than I ever did. Um, so like a lot of the bones are similar. It just sort of seems to me like the only things that set it apart from why she could be a Kenobi. Uh, are the fact that she stabs and the third point i remember now is that um in the novel uh, she hears a voice that tells her to kill kylo so it's it's the novelization as opposed to the film uh and people kind of want to interpret the voice to either be snoke or palpatine and so they want to roll with palpatine because that gets palpatine back in the mix and then you have uh yet but, another uh, then you have yet another story where palpatine's and skywalkers Uh, Need to, you know, confront each other, face off, fight each other to restore balance to the galaxy. Um, And I I don't know. I just sort of prefer the idea that um, you have a Kenobi and a Skywalker who keep butting heads uh, and keep trying to do good, you know, by the universe and not quite getting it right. I like that. Yeah, that 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 seems that seems to fit a little bit more with me. I I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they heard Palpatine in the vision gets brought up as well, but I mean, you also hear Yoda and and Ben and basically anyone who was within a, a five foot radius at lightsaber as it went through history. Like you hear a whole bunch of people in that vision i don't think the fact that you hear palpatine is necessarily weighted any more towards this theory than the fact that you hear ben or the fact that you hear yoda well well, yeah i mean
0: it's the it it, could be the lightsaber i mean she could just be ray she could be just be any other person yeah Yeah, there are a whole bunch of people who want that to be the case there's a lot of
1: mythology too that people are overlooking in the fact that like um well i was just going to reveal a spoiler for something else i'm not going to do that but in the mythology um in the mythology of George Lucas's version of the Force, which is what the story group is operating from, he said flat out, unequivocally, like, the Sith do not have an afterlife, yeah. period, right? Mm-hmm. And for Ray for to be Palpatine's, he would have had to have survived the explosion of the second Death Star. Mm-hmm right i mean like and she would have to or she would have to be older than kylo ren which she's obviously not mm-hmm. or you would have to have a situation in
2: which palpatine uh foresaw every failure that was about to happen to him ending in
0: his death and and then uh had a, you know had, put, yeah dna put off to the side for her to be born after the fact
2: yeah and at, at which, that which, point at that point you're getting into some you're getting to ridiculous which is old, a reach like palpatine yeah. did not foresee vader turning on him no, period
0: no not no. at all yeah.
2: Like if if you if you make Palpatine that slick, then it sort of diminishes Palpatine's actions in the original trilogy and in the prequel trilogy. For as slick as he was in the prequel trilogy, and as arrogant as he was in the original trilogy, if he was that farsighted to have set up a scenario in which uh, Ray w- ends up carrying on his line, um, I don't.
1: I, <laughs> you know what? You know what's a theory that That's actually my- has I- just as much evidence for it? Yeah. You remember what she looked like when she, w- she had ignited the lights ever th- for the first time and she just had that blue glow on her? Mm-hmm. What if she's throns?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Like the, here, Here's the thing about these, these theories, which um, you know, once I was like, I'll roll with Kenobi, and then I stepped away from the table and didn't think about it too much. The more you tangle with these things, the more out of just a general sense of frustration you, you end up leaning towards. Can she just be Ray? Yeah. Does, have does, it, to, does it matter who her parents, parents are? And th- there's gonna be a lot of satisfaction uh found within the fan base if that does end up being the case. If there's I... the answer is that it was just two people. That I think we... that, that works just as well.
1: Everyone is spoiled that they need an answer now. Do you remember back in the old days? Going back to the fact that we're the old man's podcast. Yeah. Um do you remember back in the old days where we had to wait three years between Star Wars films or sixteen in some cases? Yeah. And uh, we didn't have answers. Like, remember when they dropped that bomb? Like, who's the Phantom Menace? Is Palpatine really Sidious? I mean, we knew. We knew. But I talked to so many people that were just like, yeah, who is the Sith Lord? And it's like, are you kidding me? Well, no, like, because they said it's not him.
2: They they absolutely said it's not him. It can't be. Like, why would it be, so, It's if it's so obvious, it's too obvious. So it can't be that. And even but that. That's how you had a lot of people disbelieving that Ian McDiarmid. Well, well, even if Ian McDiarmid is also playing Sidious and Palpatine, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're both the same character. It Palpatine could be is a trick. Snoke. Yeah, it could be a trick. It absolutely could be a trick. Like the I, I was,
1: know. I loved those those pictures going around with mm-hmm. Pablo and Ryan Johnson with the stickers that that guy made and handed out to people at celebration that said "Your okay. Snoke theory sucks." <laughs> yeah.
2: The Steel Wars podcast made those. Those are, At first when you held that up, I thought they were, uh, thought they were sugar packets. <laughs> I didn't know they were stickers. So I was like, what a weird bit of, of kit to, to take to a Star Wars celebration. Like sugar packets stamped with the Kenner light writing that says your Snoke theory sucks. That's weird. It turns but you know, they're just stickers.
1: The, the, point, the point I was making, though, is we've got a year and five months mm-hmm. to get the next piece of that puzzle. I'm more than happy to wait a year and five months that's
0: nothing we can Starbucks do that standing Town. on our heads yeah ain't yeah. <laughs> 16 years
1: well i mean that's and then only got- 75 more shows yeah yeah
0: and we've got we've got uh what
2: we've got uh rebels season three we uh, One uh, coming we've out. Got, yeah we've got
1: books uh got um, rebels season four <laughs> <laughs>
0: more I mean, yeah we're
2: we're uh we're we're nice tight you got uh expansions to battlefield um and I also feel Battlefront. Battlefront. yeah it's based on battlefield I apologize sorry that's okay <laughs> I make that I make that mistake constantly nonstop. um it's I mean Purposely. we're 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 sitting pretty and also just sort of the general atmosphere of the fandom with regards to I need to know everything and I need to know it now has sort of receded like with with the force awakens that spoiler machine spun up into high gear because that's For a large segment of the fandom, that's just how you processed Star Wars, and that's how a lot of people in the larger media process Star Wars. Like, a lot of the people who are running news websites now came up uh, in the days of Ain't It Cool News and Corona Coming Attractions. That's where a lot of them started to cut their teeth on news gathering and entertainment media pop culture stuff. Um, But. I think a lot of people like their thirst for that sort of thing has has ebbed considerably like a lot of people don't really care if there are spoilers out there because well, it's not that's not that's not their aim anymore like we know if I want I can go to Reddit and dig up some post somewhere that someone's obsessively gone through you know 50 or 60 different things. Someone can go to makingstarwars.net and get a pretty decent idea as to what got shot when because a crew member is friends with Jason Ward or something along those lines. Like there are a lot of people who know you can go to those places and get that information, but the desire to get that information has ebbed in in that space of time ever since Force Awakens came out. People don't really care so much as I to think, whether or not they get spoiled. I I wonder, think that's a very interesting thing I've seen.
1: It's it's I kind of went through the same the same sort of process after Phantom Menace, right? Where Phantom Menace, it was just like, I had that desire in that those Ain't It Cool days and those Corona's Coming attractions and all that stuff. Like, I was there on the front lines reading all of that. And after Phantom Menace came out, I had this idea, like, would I have enjoyed myself if I'd have known less of this? Mm-hmm. Do I need to seek out this? Seek this out as much as possible? Should yeah. I be more judicious with my clicks?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and I think, I think the difference between now and then, not to say that that isn't valid because that's absolutely valid. You know, the sense of surprise being maintained is absolutely a a great way to watch a movie. But I think a lot of people are just sort of like, it's going to come. (laughs) Yeah, No,
1: no. I think that's, that's exactly it. It's just like, like I don't
2: need all these mysteries solved. They're going to be, they're going to be, they're coming soon. Like the, the sense of pressure that this is all the star Wars you're ever going to get is completely absent. And I think that causes people to relax. Like when you own when you think there's only going to be six Star Wars movies, when you had when you get a Star Wars movie, you absolutely had no idea it was ever going to come. It feels a little bit more important that you know about it before you go into it, because there's just there's just that extra added weight. And now we're in an atmosphere where like we just need it to be good. I don't need to know anything about it before I, think- I see it. Like there's going to be more. It's going to keep rolling. This faucet is not getting shut off anytime soon. So that's think- sort of weird desperation doesn't come into
0: play it's already been proven to us we've waited for rogue one i mean for the force awakens it got here and now we're months and months and months past it so everything else will get here too
1: i think i think that uh what what you're saying though like does play out with rogue one right like Hmm? people aren't terribly upset or concerned that we don't have a full trailer four months before this movie comes out
2: no, nobody's really, nobody's really sweating that. I mean, and, and some people are probably like, well, that's just because that's just a sign that it's not going to land as well and people are going to get fatigued by Star Wars. I'm like, I don't believe that. I think they're just comfy with the idea that it's coming in December. You and guys, they're, they're you been guys, waiting. it's because of the th-
0: reshoots, you
1: guys. <laughs> I think it's crazy, too, when people tell me, like, don't you think people are going to get oversaturated with Star Wars and, and like, I have to turn around and say we're getting half as many Star Wars movies a year as we are Marvel movies. And does anyone ask that about Marvel movies? Nope. We're still clamoring for more.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I I don't think people are going to get burnt out on Star Wars anytime soon. They haven't gotten burnt out on it in the last 40 years. I don't <laughs> think the fact that one's coming a year is going to burn anybody out. And so all it's going to do is cause people to chill out and not treat the opening of every Star Wars movie as, you know, the the giant pop culture bomb. That that gets dropped on the populace, you know, every three years, every sixteen years, every 10 years. It's gonna <laughs> cause people to realize like, it's coming. It's all right. I don't need to drive my blood pressure sky high. I don't need to get in 15 different fights with people on Reddit. I can just wait for this to show up. The trailer is awesome. Like when the trailers drop, people still freak out. People still love the taste of Star Wars that they're getting. Yep. It's just don't feel compelled to go digging around and rush at the internet,
1: you know? How many people have watched that behind the scenes trailer? Yeah, Um, I'm going to find out. I'm going to look right now and see how many people have watched it, which is weird because like that's the big thing they released, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't something you see anymore, which I was so excited about because I love that behind the scenes taste. Yeah,
2: no. And it was it was a great like that got a lot of people excited. I think even more excited than the original trailer did Um, that behind the scenes thing because you really got a sense of, you know, what Gareth Edwards was trying to do um how he was doing the stuff he was doing. Three million uh, people. Yeah. Like all it was missing was Mark Hamill at the beginning saying practical effects.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and you know, that, that same sense of magic uh would have been there. I I I like that we're living in an era now where uh spoiler hunting and going spoiler hungry isn't as big a, a concern it's not it's not that big a deal like i don't want people to just spoil people for the sake of spoiling people and i don't want people to feel bad if they want to find out spoilers you know people shouldn't be getting spoiler shame like that's just as valid as wanting to go in 100 percent unspoiled completely fresh like a lot of people like to go to movies knowing basically what's going to happen because for them it's about the journey it's not about you know the plot twists or being surprised uh, for them the movie is about you know the characterizations the acting the the cinematography, the editing, all that stuff. So I'm not saying that's lesser or invalid in any way. But I also think that everyone has just sort of chilled out. And I think that's really cool. <laughs> I like that people are chilled out about this now. There's less fighting. There's less well, angst. There's less, yeah. you know, teeth gnashing. People are just sort I, of like Rogue One is coming. And it's going to be what it is, whether or not um, I, I drove my blood pressure sky high trying to dive into all
1: these spoilers, you know? I think that goes back to your last Gasp episode. Yeah, I think I think you were right in <laughs> seeing that, that the fandom oh, th- was going to change drastically, and I think part of that is a numbers game. There are mm-hmm. so many new Star Wars fans out there that don't have that baggage yeah. that some of the older fans do, and, and it's made Star Wars fandom a better place. In some places, it's made it a worse place, but for the <laughs> most part, I think that there has been a renewed interest in fandom being not a wretched hive of scum and villainy.
2: Yeah, well, and... Uh... So far as uh, places to end the show go, uh, you telling me that I'm right is a great one. I like yeah, I was going to
0: say, he won't ever tire of hearing that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
0: You're right. You're right, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so was Bobby in that one instance. Anyway, that being said, Bobby, loved having you on tonight. Super long show. Two hours almost. I know. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's great.
1: No, it, it's like we got you for two shows. Yep. Which, it, it was Brian's plan.
0: I'm going to tell you, Brian was like, we're just going to just keep talking and just see how many shows Amy, we can
2: get. I wish Amy was here, though. I do, too. I, too. Yeah, we'll have miss. to get you on sooner to talk to Amy. I know. It'll it'll happen eventually. I'll drift back. Yeah, just chill out,
0: Brian. It's just like everything else. Just relax. I mean, not,
2: not to, like, you know, fire shots or anything. Not that the shots fired alarm is going to go off. But, I mean, at least when you guys are like, hey, when are you going to come on? You, you follow through as opposed to the, you know four or five other podcasts that be up on Twitter like, hey, when are you going to come on? And then I never get that email. You, know, I mean, it's, you guys actually follow through. so well,
1: we Facebook message you weekly to say, when are you going to be on? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got to be withholding. It's how I make you guys love me more. Well, we
0: had a great time. Thank you for coming on. And I, thank, I've been looking forward to it for all having, month.
2: Thank you for having me on. And I, I want to thank you specifically, make sure that it's on the air. Uh, I want to thank you specifically, Mike, for uh, handling the fact that I just sort of coughed up an entirely new rumor control out of nowhere into your lap and, and then you got it up within the day. No, that's, awesome. <laughs> like, that's, kind of, that's kind of presumptuous of me. Just like, hey, Mike, I made an episode that I want you to host on on your site for me if you could do that. Like, you didn't ask me to do it and I didn't ask you permission to do it. I just sort of did it. So could you put it up? Thanks. Like, that, that could have... I probably could have handled that a little bit more tactfully. Well, you're, the way I look no. at it is
0: you're 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 part of the show. You've always been part of the show, and, and I didn't even bat an eye at it. It's, oh, Bobby got a rumor control done. Let's put you're it up. You're like Pope
1: Benedict. You're like your <laughs> co-host emeritus. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I don't I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the best example of someone leaving the spotlight but still having people interested in what he had to say i don't know you're you're how about this emeritus. he's a good friend yeah. that
0: i like listening to and he put some work into it and i liked it so well thank thank you, you for go. doing that you're thank welcome you. Thank, thank you for doing thank it you
2: guys for, thank you guys for having me back on i appreciate yeah. it but anytime
0: thank you for anytime. being back on it's been too long so with that being said bobby um you still had bobby roberts pdx on twitter yes indeed and uh if you
2: haven't yet i referenced it once uh so if you haven't yet listened to it um the the rogue one remix called this is a rebellion oh my god it's uh, so good i made it in i think like may or something like that maybe yeah. june i don't remember when I may- maybe it was march i, think it was- I don't know. anyway go to go to geekremix.com. it'll redirect you to my Bandcamp where uh everything is free you can listen to it as much as you want you can download whole albums uh my, my nerdy little mashup albums are sitting there since 1997 well that's before Bandcamp existed but i made them in 1997 and i've been consistently making them since then and uh you can go and, and peruse them my old mid-90s hip-hop aesthetic combined with tv show themes and and film scores and video game stuff and cut them up with with, with little razors and, and needles on the records and then i made them into beats and you can go download them and The most recent one i did was based on the rogue one trailer uh and uh i hope you
0: dig it well going back to what i just said a little bit ago I mean, you're part of the show. If people go to any of the show notes, your your stuff for the Mm -hmm. Geek Remix stuff, that's in every part of the show notes. Every time we release a show, it's in the show notes, so people can find that there.
2: Well, thank you, man.
0: So, yeah, uh, yeah, if
2: if you want to get at me, I'm at Bobby Roberts PDX on Twitter. Um, Yeah.
0: And listen to Bobby. Go back to all the old Rumor Control ones, too, because I've actually done that since we uh, watched Force Awakens a couple times now to see Mm -hmm. how cool that stuff was.
2: It was about 70%. Yeah. Like, even, even, even the stuff that everyone was convinced was 100% accurate. Uh, some of that stuff ended up sliding sideways in the edit. So, I mean, that that part of the game is fun, but I'm, I don't, I don't necessarily miss it. You beat meteorologists <laughs> by
0: like 60%. So uh, it's pretty amazing. Okay. All right. No, so um, if you want to leave a voicemail, the SpeakPipe app is on the website at com, or there you can find the Twitter information like our Twitter at fullsith, at the mic, at swankmatron, at amy underscore geek at Bobby Roberts PDX, also facebook.com is where we uh, post show notes and show guides and conversations and everything else going on, and then holocronifbulletsit.com is where you can email us. There's always great emails coming through, and we'll get to uh, answer some of those uh, in, a, in a future episode, uh, hopefully sometime soon. iTunes reviews, uh, please do that. You know, Google Play and Stitcher and all that stuff. Brian, you want to tell everybody where they can find your writings and such,
1: Uh, Yeah, you can find my stuff. I've got uh, columns weekly on StarWars.com. I'm in Star Wars Insider now and again. I haven't been in the last couple of issues, but I think I've got some stuff coming up. Uh, You can find my writings on BigShinyRobot.com. And starting this week, you can listen to the new show, Holly Fry and I are doing uh, called Fauthentic History. Yeah. Uh, And our first episode uh, should be out now as you're listening to this. And it's about uh, the Battle of Hoth.
0: Very cool. Very cool. All right, so um, that all being said, Amy, back next week, I'm pretty sure, right? As far as I'm aware. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, too. Good. Bobby, once again, thank you so much for being on. We will talk to you soon. Well, Brian, we we'll could just keep hounding you until you say yes again. I will. So that is it. Episode 177 of Full of Sith over my great co-hosts, Bobby Roberts and Brian Young. I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you. Always. If you will not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Mm. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office, more than once, actually. Do
1: I have to say? Yes, you do.